I can hear you. Can you hear me? We hey, sure can hear you. Oh, yeah, I just have to go to the phone. I don't know what's going on, but okay. I'm here. Good, yeah. You figured it out. That's all that matters. This Wi-Fi, man. I've heard about Texas Wi-Fi. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I need a drink now. That was frustrating getting that going. <laughs> Everyone, welcome back to another brand new episode of Bourbon Pursuit. We've got a great one in store today because it is everybody's favorite. It's the roundtable. And I'm going to talk about those topics here in a second after I run through some news. I'm going to talk about it again. Bourbon and Beyond. We've got the bands announced. We've got the bourbon personalities announced. We're going to be there. Robert Plant's going to be there. Lenny Kravitz. Blake from Bourboner, Fred Minnick, you name it. A lot of cool people are going to be there. I mean, you name any distillery uh, from Heaven Hill, Jefferson's, Willet, um, Smooth Ambler, uh, Boone County, Maker's Mark, they're all going to be there at Bourbon and Beyond. So start making your plans now to be there. Tickets are already on sale. Go to bourbonpursuit.com. We've got a banner there with an affiliate link. I promise we don't get any kickbacks. It's just our way of trying to help get more people there to the show. And I think we might be in a competition against uh, against Blake over there as well as Brian from Sipping Corn. So hopefully we can get more people there than they can. And who knows? We're really talking about possibly doing something uh, as maybe a pre-party. We're kind of getting the plans together. We'll kind of see what that's going to look like. But make sure you start going through and start looking at tickets. Um, weekend getaways are actually already getting sold out. They're actually over halfway sold out through their tickets already. So go to the website, look around, make some plans and get to Kentucky and get to Louisville to make this happen. So go to our website, check out the banner and get your tickets. Patreon shipments for $3 and $5 have actually gone out the door now. So it's now time to begin working on March. It is Derby Week, and if you missed it, I posted my ultimate mint julep big batch recipe on Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram also goes to Twitter as well. But make sure you go and try it out real quick before the big race on Saturday. It's something that I came up with a few years ago that's a lot easier than doing single drinks. Uh, and it's way better than anything you can get in a bottle at the liquor store. So all it takes is just a few minutes, some mint, some sugar, and a 1.75 of bourbon to make it happen. So today we've got the round table. It is everybody's favorite and we just love to talk about random topics. And this week we're joined by a special guest as we dive into the anti-spirit award competition arguments. If you wanna know why we did this, go back and listen to episode 144, just as Henry McKenna came out and was announced the winner of San Francisco Spirits. So we wanna talk about the opposite side of that. Like what do these really serve for? Why do people like them? Why do people hate them? So on and so forth. We also talk about our recent lack of coverage on anything from Buffalo Trace in regards to press releases. And lastly, we touch on Long Branch from Wild Turkey that had been partnered with Matthew McConaughey. And just as a joke, everybody, I think, really kind of wanted this to be a rye because you could then just say, all rye, all rye, all rye. I know that was super cheesy. But if you do like the show, make sure you support us on Patreon. This is really our way of being able to get in touch with the people that uh, really help support this. We are trying to be more involved, 
with them every single day to be able to give them access to things not everybody else gets to in the public, such as being able to talk one-on-one, -on -one, being able to have access to uh, the gear that we have, whether they're the polo shirts we wear, uh, bottle totes, patches, t-shirts, so on and so forth. And we've got more barrel picks to, to be announced as well. So this is some really cool stuff that is gonna be coming. And make sure you get everything that is gonna be happening through social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to us through all those great places that you can get this podcast on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, Google Play, and your favorite podcast app that's out there. And if you want every new episode, beam straight to your inbox so you can see the pictures, you can play it, well, not directly from there, but you can get a link to play it from there. And then you can see all the show notes and the links to everything that are in the show notes Go to bourbonpursuit.com, scroll down, get yourself signed up for our email list, and then you can get everything Thursday, first thing Thursday morning, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. With that, enjoy this week's episode. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. We are back with another episode. It is the 20th recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. So congratulations. We've got full quorum on the uh, the podcast tonight. So this is going, we tried to do the math earlier, I think a, a year, year and a half now of, of doing these. So our, our 20th one, that's a, it's a monumental uh time. So we're just celebrating and drinking per usual. I don't really think we're doing anything crazy, but yeah, we've got a lot of great topics lined up tonight. You know, last time we were sitting there just talking and topics just started coming up. Uh, this time we've got a, a good chunk of bullet points to go through as we're going on tonight, but we also have a new person that is going to be joining us for the round table tonight because he came out with an article that is going to be um, the kind of uh, a center of focus tonight for one of the topics. So I want to introduce uh, 
another person who's not any, uh, he's not new to the show by any means. He's been on before, uh, Wade Woodard from tatertalk.com. So Wade, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Kenny. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Talking about this. So good deal. So, uh, first off, just give everybody kind of an idea of where you blog and, uh, you know, how they can get in contact with you if you're on Twitter, Instagram or anything like that. Sure. My blog is tater-talk.com and it's not about potatoes. <laughs> it's all about it's all about whiskey. So uh, if you don't know what a whiskey tater is, you can check out my site and learn what it is. But uh, my focus has always been on a, a consumer advocacy position of making sure we have the truth in labeling on uh, whiskey labels. Uh, that's kind of been my focus for the past three or four years. And my blog's about that. It's about some other things, but uh, hey. definitely check out that. And on Twitter, I'm Wade Wood. And then I think the tater list is up to what, like 64 bullet points is what could potentially make you a, a tater? Oh, I think I added a few since you saw it last. So I think maybe about 66. <laughs> but the last one on there now, and we'll stay on there, is uh, you might be a tater if you maintain a list of over 60 reasons why other people might be a tater. So <laughs> I wrote one specifically just for me. <laughs> say the uh, self-deprecating one. It, it came in... <laughs> Amen. Finally, uh, I think you should probably come out with like a some kind of survey that says like you know like basically like how tater are you onto a scale and uh, so if you answer yes to like certain questions, it's gonna moderate tater, <laughs> full blown, you full know, blown deep fried tater. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, you chimed in there, so you go ahead next. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on again, uh, Brian. With sipping corn, you can finally find me mostly on Twitter at sipping corn. A blog. Uh, with it through Google, where we talk about mostly uh, the legal side of bourbon, uh, along with bourbon reviews, and uh, lately a little more on Facebook, also uh, at Sip and Corn. And Blake, go ahead. Yeah, I'm Blake from bourboner.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube channel, all the following. So definitely check it out. Tinder. <laughs> but I, I think uh we all need to give blake a, a round of applause uh first first time back since having the twins so uh yeah. congratulations Ooh, congrats uh, i'm actually this is so actually just coffee it's just pure <laughs> shots of espresso <laughs> the entire night no yeah father of four now it feels weird to say that but uh yeah no going good so far well, yeah, good thing you've got a uh, at least a college tuition or two bunkered away in bottles down there. So you, you're, you're set down. <laughs> I'm really, uh, you know, banking on athletic scholarships. Being a five ten guy with not that much athleticism, I have. I'm pretty certain some of my kids will turn out like six four and in uh, NFL tight ends. And, yeah, yeah, NFL yeah, tight ends. With, with my NFL pedigree, I figure they'll have a have a good chance for sure. <laughs> Yeah, too bad there's no money in uh, curling for Winter Olympics, right? I don't know. You know, you could you grab a couple sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you go ahead. All right, I'm Nick from Breaking Bourbon, one of the three guys behind the site. Uh, check us out online at BreakingBourbon.com and on uh, social media at Breaking Bourbon. And Carrie, clean us up. This is Carrie from Suburbia.com, S-E-B-O-U-R-B-I-A. I took a small sabbatical from blogging to work on my career as a puppeteer and uh, that didn't go so well. So I'm back to blogging now. I actually got a couple of articles coming out pretty soon and follow me on Twitter at bourbon underscore gamer 
and uh, you'll see me talk a lot of shit on Facebook, and that's about it. <laughs> Could we do a quick rundown out of the 20 bourbon community roundtables we had? How many of them Carrie has said, yeah, I got a blog post coming out soon? So just <laughs> <laughs> How many of those have actually followed up with a blog post? <laughs> I need to write more. <laughs> As a new blogger, I know I started out at the beginning of the year with a bang, but it slows down quick. It does, man. There's so many ideas at first, and then you're like, shit. How many ways do I say caramel? <laughs> the, the writing process is not an easy one. No. I'm just glad there's three of us. I don't know how you guys do it. One, just you, writing, writing, writing. Well, Brian's over there writing an entire book, so he can't say anything. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'll be quiet on this one. I found he's a little like, time. He's like, I yeah, think, you know. I think Bourbonar Burbia would be really cool. <laughs> Bernerbia? Bernerbia? <laughs> Bernerbia, Bernerbia corn. No one would have problems finding that URL. Urban <laughs> R. That's search engine optimization. That's very fine. It's yeah. Right yeah. For boners in the suburbs. That's. I <laughs> <laughs> see that going downhill fast. Yeah. So let's move to our, our first topic of conversation tonight. So one of the, uh, the launches that we had just seen recently was the wild turkey collaboration that they have now uh done with matthew mcconaughey called long branch so i have not had a, try, a chance to try it yet but has anybody here actually been able to uh get their hands on it do a review or anything like that yeah so i tried it um and you know like my fellow writer uh suburbia i have a review coming out so i won't, won't release everything but you know, I, to me, I saw a lot of good reviews. So that got me pretty excited. It's eight years. I love the old eight-year wild turkey whiskey, but I didn't really like it that much. Um, but it's also 32 bucks. So it's like, how how hard can you criticize a $32 whiskey? Um, but I don't know. For, for me, it was just, it, it was light tasting. I, I think the charcoal filtering or the filtering they did with the mesquite wood and the oak, it made a good story, but I don't know if it actually helped the product. Um, mesquite wood? Yeah. they they. I, I thought it was mesquite charcoal. Well, I think it it's mesquite says, charcoal. Well, it it has, mesquite yeah, char it'd have to be mesquite charcoal. But all, all charcoal is the charcoal. same at that point if you actually get it to the charcoal point, right? Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but it's heavy charcoal filled you know it almost reminds me of like a jack daniels because it is kind of lighter and you taste the heavy char um i don't know it, it wasn't my preference i'd take a bottle of rare breed over it what was the proof on it uh 80 86, 86. okay I, I mean it's a very uh, it's a good entry-level bourbon um you know it's 86 proof it's it's nothing sticks out as like too uh, offensive or anything like that. And it's 32 bucks. So it's kind of hard based on those few things to say, no, it's not a good whiskey, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy the taste if we're just b judging it based on that. So I'll throw another question uh, to somebody's way here. So do you look at this as um, something that they're not looking at for the whiskey geeks on this one, right? Like they're looking to just the average consumer um, everybody's hung up on Matthew McConaughey, right? Like, are, are they trying to play that angle rather than something that, that would appeal to somebody like us? 
You yep. might be hung I'll, up on Matthew. I'm I'm not. Whoa. As a Texan, Wade, you're going to say <laughs> you that? You have to be, right? <laughs> He's gorgeous. Secretly. How dare you say that? Secretly. I'll, t- I'll take that one, though. You know, I, I think uh, – I think that's what this release is. I mean, if I think about Wild Turkey and what they are and what their mark, you know, their marketing or their labels, how they look, you know, the Wild Turkey, the turkey on the label, you know, some higher proofs, relatively speaking, Russell's Reserve, you know, same thing. We're getting into some higher proofs in a lot of cases. You know, I think this is marketed to the same people that, you know, are, are you know, we're seeing some of Beam, Beam's products marketed to. You know, so I, I think this is marketed to somebody that's newer to bourbon who isn't going to get to something that's 100 proof because that seems like it's way too much. You know, they might clue in on McConaughey. They might just clue in on the look of this bottle and it's going to introduce them to what wild turkey is. You know, and I think that's what they're going for this. They're going for a wide angle, a wide market, and they want to pull people in. I think it's a I think it's a good it's a good bottle i think it's a decent flavor i had it only had it once eric's going to review it that'll come out this week but uh you know i think they've got something here you know is it something i'm going to keep buying and drink all the time probably not you know i'll drink 101 you know i'll drink russell's reserve single barrel but you know i think this is going to introduce a lot of people to what wild turkey is i think that's what they're going for wide angle big market not necessarily us well, why do you think they needed Long Branch or Matthew to be a? And I'm Brian, maybe I'll or Wade, anybody that wants to take this one. You know, why do you think they needed him to do this? Like, why do you think that they just couldn't start just a new brand extension just to start a new brand? Like, why why did Matthew have to be this involved with it? Well, I, I'll, take, I'll take that, and then Wade okay. jump in too. And, but uh, you know, he's he's obviously part of their their broader plans here. The way they've <laughs> gotten them so involved in in everything wild turkey now and i think this goes back to the enthusiast versus um, just regular consumer because the enthusiasts all know jimmy and eddie and they're rock stars to us and we're looking at the russell's reserve private store selections and that's what we want but in order to, but, but that's they, they don't make their money on enthusiasts and they need just to sell more volume. And McConaughey is going to sell that volume for them. And people who think, who have an impression of wild turkey is, is too harsh, you know, too spicy, those sorts of things, uh, this might get them into the brand. They're just looking for brand extension and, and more sales. And, you know, they need to do that. I think the everyday consumer is also looking for something new, right? I mean, the, exactly. the ultra-hyped, ultra-premium yeah. stuff, they're not going to find. So they hear about bourbon all the time. And it's like they want something different. Yep. So I think it's a good market for them. Endorsements go a long way. And releasing a new product obviously has a much bigger splash than just saying, hey, don't forget about Wild Turkey 101 or something like that. So, you know, you release a new product. Um, they got Matthew behind it. And I like how we're using just his first name like any of us know him. <laughs> or, <laughs> but since he started, but- <laughs> he started and I'm going to go with it. Um but no, you get Matthew McConaughey, obviously a huge name. And um, I mean, I think it's helping. I don't know sales or anything, but just based on the the publicity I've seen around all of his stuff, you know, I see him on talk shows talking about wild turkey and all this other stuff. So, you know, good for them from a business standpoint. Um, I think it's great. I'm just waiting for the version where he's driving down the street in a Lincoln. And you got the red blue flashing behind him. <laughs> and it just turns. 
He's got Lena's fist on, and he's just sitting back, and he's taking a sip of his his he's bourbon. A, and there's a lion. He's in a self driving. He's in a self driving car. It all it all and it all comes into play, yeah. and you're like, ah, I get it now. I gotta have one of those. <laughs> I, I think part of it too is Wild Turkey and Wild Turkey 101 has this reputation as the uh, drink you got drunk on in college, mm-hmm. and the general public doesn't think it's good whiskey, but us whiskey geeks know it really is. At least I sure like Wild Turkey 101 and the yeah. rare breed barrel picks and things. But to come out with another uh, expression that's long branch, uh, it's not directly tied to that Wild Turkey 101 experience yeah. will help them in the market. That's a really good point, actually, because they do put Wild Turkey on the neck, but... Um, you know, everything is focused on the bottle of the different brand, the wild turkey. You know, it's got the raised letters that say a small batch, staged in American oak, all that kind of stuff. Can you so bring almost, it closer? Instead yeah, of, it's almost like they're trying to distance, not distance themselves from the wild turkey brand, but just create its own. So the yeah. wild turkey's up there, but, you know, all of this, it doesn't say anything just uh, Kentucky straight bourbon, uh, oak in Texas, mesquite. Charcoal refined. I don't know what charcoal refined means. I assume it's cold. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, a turkey, just think of turkey in general. It's a, I mean, it's a bird to start with. It's not a real sexy bird. And in a lot of their bottles, it's on the bottle. An image of a turkey on a bottle, you know, and that's not necessarily going to draw in a 27 year old consumer who's just cruising the shelves looking for something that's under 50 bucks. You know, whereas this, I think it's kind of got that, you know, that same Basil Hayden's kind of feel to it, you know, looks premium, maybe heard about it before an actor talked about it, not too over the top. I do wonder, though, that that font is very similar to Old Forester. I got to wonder if something's going to happen with that going forward when you compare them side by side. I don't know if there's any, you know, font trademark. You think you got Wade here. He could probably tell you about it from that, that perspective. Yeah. I'm curious about that. The interesting thing is Jimmy does not get his name on here. It's just Matthew McConaughey and Eddie Russell. Eddie. Mm-hmm. So passing the torch, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. Which seems one kind of funny. I, but One thing I thought interesting and maybe only me and Brian will is in all the marketing material and on their website, they call it an eight-year-old whiskey and say that it's eight-year-old bourbon, mm-hmm. but it's not on the bottle. It's no age statement on the bottle or on the right. label. Yeah. Huh. Do, do you they think call it in the press release? It says eight years old. Do you think they yeah. are setting that up just to drop it later on, or I mean, I guess well, they have that ability because it's not like they're going to release. A batch too. I mean, I I think this is just an ongoing product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you take it down to eighty six proof, you should be able to have enough stock around for a little bit, right? I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like it's barrel proof flying off the shelves for people like us, right? I, I would think it at that that age range, you should be able to probably keep that around. But who knows how fast it's going to fly off the shelf, right? I don't think it's going to have like the same the same pull that like say like Weller does. It doesn't really matter as long as it has the name Weller. It's flying off the shelf, at least around here. Um, but with regards to that being a new brand extension, you know, they have, they have their, um, you know, their work cut out for them a little bit, trying to do marketing beyond the people like us that are very well aware of it already out there. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I think that eight year was for people like us, but I think it was an insurance policy where number one, their market doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think about 1792, the eight years used to be on the back. I don't think most people knew it was there. They removed it. No one really knew it was gone. No one talked about that going away. You know, it was just a premium looking bottle. And it's like 25 bucks, right? So this now same thing here. Now Martin six year in it. Right, exactly, right. So, the, so the, it's just you know they're looking at it now. I think and saying, well, what's the point of even putting it on there? It's going to be eight years, probably. I, I think it probably. And will if be. it's not, if a batch isn't, then oh well. And if it's we not, they're not anything. out of compliance. Exactly. Right. So why not you know appease the people that care about that? But in the press release, who are they going to be the people reading the press release probably and talking about it, and then leave it off because the people buying it probably aren't going to care. And it it leaves you wide open to not have to remove it in the future, which is no matter how you slice it, never good. It's never goes down well, you know. So let's let's take another uh, speculation. I'm going to throw a speculation kind of question out there. So there is the uh, Wild Turkey 81 proof that's been out there. Um, Now, people are calling this one the Basil Hayden of Wild Turkey. Now, do you think that we could possibly see a kind of silent decline or silent fall of 81 wild turkey in regards to this now coming out? Who bought 81 wild turkey? I mean, bars? It was designed by them them and marketed to bartenders because they thought the craft bartending scene wanted the lower proof whiskey. I remember when it came, when it changed from 80 to 81, that was the uh, reasoning for it. But I don't think that was a market for it there either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they probably yeah. do end up dropping that because 101 is is so ingrained in us that the people who know wild turkey that they'll they should just stick to 101 as as that brand and then let let this new one be the lower proof and that's the one that a lot of consumers will go for. I mean, a lot of people are like, looking for that lower basil Hayden proof, I feel like lower college. drinkability. In college, we went eighty proof all the time. I mean, it was cheaper, and yeah, know, it's what you could afford. You didn't, you, you know, you didn't need to drink as much of it as you do now. You know, now I got to drink a whole fifth of it. But you know, back in college, man, we'd take a couple fifths and take them to football games, and that's what we drank at parties. And actually, we actually drank uh, beam at UGA. <laughs> we were fancy, but uh, I would seem like the lower proof is mainly for the younger people. And one other thing, and, and Nick, this you'll be glad what I'm what I'm drinking since we had that other conversation. I've got the <laughs> formerly known as yellow label that, that I'm working on. But uh you bought but, it though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. this one. Yeah, it's I mean fifteen dollars here. You can't beat it. Um but in in addition to to that crowd, Carrie, um this is what this is what um Jim used to drink when he was out at an event. He would always go for for yellow label. Because his theory was, you you know, if, if you're out there and you're having to talk to people and, and all that sorts of thing, drink an 80 proof. Um, and he, so he was really pushing the 80 proof instead of instead of their, what's viewed as, as better bourbon. Um, so there, there's room for those lower proofs and yeah. there'll be room for this new brand. I've talked to a lot of people who talk. We start talking about bourbon and, yeah, I like bourbon. I drink it. And they'll bring up Basil Hayden's and say, yeah, you know, I, I drink it on the rocks, though. So. Yeah. And, and it's it's too high proof for them. Neat, you know. So yeah. I mean, for me, I, I can. It's already low proof. Neat as it is, it's you know flavorless as as it is. But uh, you know, for them, it's a whole different thing. So th- I think that's the majority of people out there. 
Yep. But we all started so we all started, you know, with something lower. I, Gentleman Jack was my yeah. drink for a year and a half. Gentleman Jack on the rocks was what I what I had before I got into bourbon. Welcome to uh, welcome to the party now, Carrie. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell you now I love the old charter eighty proof. God, it's so good. <laughs> well, that wasn't really bourbon. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting into that conversation. <laughs> So uh, there's there's one last question I kind of want to uh, kind of look at this and anybody can feel free to take this one. But in your opinion, does Wild Turkey maybe lose something by, you know, Matthew McConaughey putting his name next to Eddie's? Does it make you feel more or less in, you know, is it, are you, is it indifferent? Do you have any sort of like negative feelings towards Wild Turkey because of this? Or are you just kind of like, hey, like it's just it's just business as usual? I, it's just, it doesn't matter. I mean, what was her what's her face that was doing all the beam commercials and um, oh, my oh, yeah, you know? And we're just I mean, saw the commercials and I'm like, she's still hot. This beam is still regular beam, is still terrible, but didn't really <laughs> change anything. Yeah, it was like it's the biggest selling bourbon of all time. Like it's not it's not terrible. I mean, so I don't mean, say that. It's but not terrible. You're right. I'm sorry, being boring. Distillery. <laughs> it's just it's it's boring. Thank well, you. It's, it's it, no. I mean, I think we just have graduated a little bit, and that's all it really is. I think there's still there's always going to be room for stuff like that, right? And so this is me trying to do damage control. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> we see like Happy suddenly get a mascot. You know, and there's like an old guy who pretends to be Pappy Van Winkle smoking a cigar saying, this is great bourbon. Then maybe it's going to, it might affect us. But like for the everyday consumer, it's not going to make that much of a difference whether they have a product placement or not. Right. My next Halloween costume, I'm going to be Pappy Van Winkle just drinking bourbon all day. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that just called like Wednesday cigars? (laughs) I actually did that one Halloween. <laughs> you were happy. It, ha- it was a Halloween theme party, and you had to go as your favorite favorite drink. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, that's, yeah, that's a little bit easier, it seems. Did you have like the uh, the, the three piece suit on and everything with the cigar all night? No, I'm more like the uh, you know the old sleepy hollow character that was asleep, but I was carrying around a bottle of <laughs> Rip old Winkle. Rip Van yeah. Winkle fifteen. One oh, actual Rip Van Winkle. squat bottle nice yeah of course (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool so let's uh let's move on to our next one and this is kind of like the uh, the big reason we had wade on tonight was because fred had made the announcement that there was a winner at the san francisco spirits competition which if you're curious about san francisco spirits competition we had just released a podcast two weeks ago on or actually three weeks ago now, something like that. But it was looking at really what goes into the competition itself. Um, how's competition done? How's it done blind? What do these awards even really mean? Is it just all marketing? Um, and we got a lot of great answers out of it. And Fred came out as he does every year, and he writes a blog article that kind of talks about the judging process, um, talks about what happens when a, a bourbon goes from, you know, the between the next two levels to finally get to the super tasting or whatever it was called. And at the very end, he reveals that the, the winner of the San Francisco experience competition for the best bourbon was the one that we have talked about for the longest time. The one that we've said that we should quit talking about, which was Henry McKenna, right? A 10 year solid bourbon that everybody, no one loves, uh, and oddly enough, Elijah Craig plays second. Um, 
So let's talk a little bit first about this um, before we kind of get into the the anti-spirit award show topic here. Um, was anybody like I was kind of surprised that it was Henry McKenna. Um, I think it's solid. I don't think it's the best bourbon out of 300 that could have been submitted, but I could, I could be wrong. What was submitted? Do they have a list of everything that was submitted? No. So the transparency is a little... I guess, weak in that regards. Um, it doesn't necessarily say exactly which barrel it was. Um, there are rumors that says that it was a bottle that was just picked up off the shelf in San Francisco that was submitted. It's not like uh, Heaven Hill said that they're going to go and find some cherry barrel and that's the one that they're going to submit for Heaven Hill. Um, that's, again, that's that's hearsay and rumor. I want to hear, hear Wade's take on this. On, uh, just McKenna jump way. right into Wade? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, kinda no, I'll, I'll jump start. in on McKenna. I'm going to start jump with, but look what I'm having a, a pour of here. Henry McKenna, but Ooh, an old label. The old this label. is a uh, private barrel pick by the East Bay Study Group out in uh, California. This was aged in Deetsville's warehouses nice. on the top floor, sixth floor, and it was uh, shadow distilled by Brown Foreman. Uh, done in 2011, the absolute best Henry McKenna I ever had. If this was entered in the show and won, I would be, I would say, yes, that's definitely one of the top bourbons I've had what in year? my lifetime. What year was that bottled? It was uh, bottled in 2011. Okay. That's interesting that you say that, though, because that was, I mean, you know, that was a bottle that was how much at the time, probably? $25? Uh, yeah, 26 Yeah. Something like that. Um. Am I am I back to you? Can hear me? Yes. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good, buddy. So, but I'm just trying to say, or I was trying to say that the story that we're told is that just some random Heaven Hill rep ran out to the store real quick and brought back a bottle of Henry McKenna, dropped it off at the show. Like, don't those bottles have to be sent in months before and everything? Or yes, uh, there is an entry form. There is a specific uh, warehouse here that the bottle has to be sent to, and that's probably all handled by corporate. So I'm not buying this rumor of, oh, it was just a random barrel out there and the rep out there winning sent it into this show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but but to Wade's point, like I've had some unbelievable Henry McKenna barrels. Um, and actually, I think the blind tasting that Wade did with Bourboner, we had, I did an, a new Henry McKenna barrel and an old Henry McKenna barrel. And, you know, it's the pre-fire, all this stuff. And it just wasn't a very good barrel. So, I mean, it was decent bourbon. It wasn't bad by any means, but um, the new one out um, outscored it by, it was like four or five points, I think. So, you know, I always get a little, uh, you know, the the ears start to point up whenever you hear about these single barrels that win these award shows. Um, another reason why I don't love single barrels is because you could go out and buy 20 more bottles of Henry McKenna and they may be all from the same barrel and you may not like that barrel. So um, good win for Heaven Hill. You know, I think it was deserved. They're putting out a lot of good product. But at the end of the day, a single barrel that wins the uh, best bourbon i just kind of question I'll, t- I'll toss this out there too you know the latest um, parker's heritage collection the latest single barrel we bought we bought two different mm-hmm. bottles from two different barrels opened both of them both were decent we reviewed mm-hmm. one of them i think eric reviewed it 
everyone's talking about this being the best thing. We're like, maybe our palates are different. It's weird. How come the three of us thought the same thing, but other people are talking about it being fantastic. Eric tried a bottle his dad bought and he said, this is absolutely fantastic. Totally different from our, from our barrels that we got. Right. I mean, and that's 130 bucks a bottle that we spent right on those. And we're going pretty big range on these. Right. So at least Henry McKenna is a $30 bottle, you know, as right. a starting point. But yeah, I believe that there's a big range on what those, you know, what they, those can be. When I think of the promise of hope bottles, which were essentially Henry McKenna just proofed down a little bit, just the honey barrels. And those were fantastic. You know, the honey barrels of Henry McKenna were fantastic. I rated one of those a five on our website. Right. So I believe they're out there. I just don't think you're going to hit those that often. Well, I, I think, think the with Heaven Hill, you get that variance with barrels. I mean, that's kind of, I think it's one of the awesome things about it too is, yeah. you know, three years ago, the, the Elijah Craig 18 release, there was a barrel that um, was here in Georgia. It was 4055 or something. And everyone that tried it was like, God, that is amazing, amazing bourbon. And I haven't found another bottle of that three-year-old release or each of the years since then that's tasted that good, you know? And so I think you, you've, once in a while you come across one that is a honey barrel that they've put out. So, I mean, you know, I think I would agree with you that paying one twenty nine for a chance at a honey barrel kind of sucks and paying 20, you know, I still see it 28 99 and stores around Atlanta. I mean, I'll hell yeah. I'll take that chance any day. It's it's still going to be good. Yeah. Right? It's still, it's still a decent yeah. bourbon. It's just, it might be fantastic. I just think the number of those that are fantastic, the chance that that, was the, that one of those absolute best ones that landed in the spirits competition is pretty small. I mean, I suppose it's possible. Anything's possible, right? People win the lottery every day. Yeah. Right? So anything's possible. But reality is the majority are not like that. I mean, let's face it. That's the reality. <laughs> but if you're a producer, I'm not blaming Heaven Hill at all. If I'm no. making a single barrel product, I'm going to pick a good barrel to enter in the, you end of the competition. Believe, you better. I mean, why would why would you not do that? Yeah. Why would you not put yeah. your best foot forward? So I'm not blaming them if they even if they did pick a barrel out on purpose. It's probably what I think happened is they uh, picked a nice barrel. They sent some bottles to the show. They sent the rest of the barrel to the San Francisco market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But regardless, Which would be smart. Yeah. regardless. You've got heaven. You've got sorry. You've got heaven hill here with the whiskey advocate. Um, bourbon of the or whiskey of the year, right? Yeah. With with Elijah Craig last year. Yeah. Now you've got the biggest awards show in San Francisco with Henry McKenna. Um, I mean, this is this is pretty impressive. You know, regardless of whether you're picking your barrels, your honey barrels, and entering those. Um, I mean, the, the Elijah Craigs are obviously batches that every everyone can buy, so those are all the same. But this is this is a strong strong statement by Heaven Hill. Well, it's kind of barrel proof, and have they jacked up the price at all on it? Not that I've seen. No, no. Heaven Hill makes the, fantastic bourbon at good prices. Yeah, yeah. fantastic me, bourbon at good prices. To me, these award shows, it's kind of like the Lance Armstrong uh, argument. Did he cheat? Yeah, of course he cheated, but everybody else was <laughs> cheating too. So it's <laughs> level of so it doesn't matter because every single distillery and producer is sending their best barrels in. You know, everybody knows how the game's played. They're not dumb. You know, if if us five, six guys can sit here and say, yeah, that's probably what they're doing. They thought about it 10 years ago, whenever these competitions started. So doesn't, um, uh, doesn't Kevin Hill say 
we make fine bourbon at a profit if we can at a loss if we no can. that's that's uh, bad uh, Van Winkle yeah <laughs> <laughs> no they say we make fine bourbon at a profit always at <laughs> <in> a profit <laughs> we're gonna squeeze it squeeze there's a, a period if like, you look closely do. there's a period after profit it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a serious question though with with our picks. Can we can we submit a, a one of our private selections? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. With our picks, can we can we submit a, a one of our private selections? Yes, I you mean can. all we got to do is pay the fee and send in oh, whatever well, it is, start two to six money bottles, is, whatever. It is. Money is money, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we could we could have a, a double gold. We could have best bourbon award. Right. I mean, kind of waste like the bottle on it, right? We're not going to get the bottle back, are we? <laughs> no, you don't get the bottle back. <laughs> See, that's but we can take two bottles too. Yeah, it's like two bottles. <laughs> yes, every two bottles and however many bottles. hundreds of dollars. And we'll just take on fifty from for Carrie's, from Carries that he sold on BSM, and so that we'll take those profits and use that as our <laughs> application fee. I needed pictures, okay. <laughs> I thought it was puppets. Yeah, I needed a puppet. The strings broke, and I needed to get some at Ace Hardware. All right, so let's let's kind of like take a different uh, aspect to this too, because. Since we've aired the the San Francisco Spirits competition with um, Anthony Diaz Blue or Dias Blue on the uh, on the podcast, I've had two other competitions reach out to me and they say we would love to be on your podcast. And uh, you know this this I took this opportunity. Uh, Blake's sitting there making like a moolah sign, like you need to <laughs> need to charge them um, five hundred fifty dollars an entry, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need an entrance fee to be on the podcast. Um, and, and really, I, I wanted to take this opportunity because 
really that that podcast was really focused around like tell us more about the competition like what what sets us apart what makes us good like why should people trust it and without without a you know um, you know not even a, a span of uh, 24 hours uh, there's probably a few articles that come out and notably one was from Wade saying you know how much he hates uh, spirit competitions uh, and so that's I kind of want to take this part of the show to kind of talk about that of like the anti-award because I have heard that really these awards only service two people or like two kind of um, consumers in the industry. One, the experts or the uh, people like us that pay attention and care about it and understand what's going on. And then you have the bottom rung, which are the people that know nothing and they just walk through the bourbon aisles and they see a... a a sticker that says like, yo, I won a spirit competition, right? Like that's the only people that it serves. Like in the middle ground, you've got the people that are buying Woodford and Maker's Mark, and they're really not going to stop drinking that anyway. And that's really not going to turn their mind from them. So I kind of want to turn this over to Wade for a second and just kind of uh, first, just get your opinions. Like, man, why all the hate? Why do you hate, why hate award shows? Well, the timing of my blog post, obviously is about the same time as this San Fran show. And I'm not trying to pick on that show in particular. Actually, I think it's probably one of the better run shows. I know Fred is a judge there. I know they really do taste blind, uh, which I suspected some other shows, uh, smaller shows, maybe that doesn't even go on. But I, the stuff I've, I posted on my blog, I've been saying on the online Facebook groups about bourbon uh, for years now. So it's nothing. I haven't really stated anything new. I just put it all together in, in one blog post. But these award shows, they're big business. Uh, the San Francisco one, it's $550 to enter a product. In 2017, there was 2253 bottles entered, spirits wow. entered. That's $1.25 million. So, yeah, they got to pay Ooh. judges and they have a hotel, but uh, the founders of these are, they're making some bank on these shows. So, <laughs> Kenny, don't don't sell yourself short for a five hundred and fifty dollar interview. This could be more like a ten thousand dollar Urban Pursuit podcast. Um, Damn it! And the win- it's my opportunity there. <laughs> and the win rate in the San Fran show in 2017, $2,253 spirits entered. Anybody want to take a guess how many won some type of an award? Over two thousand. Correct. Two thousand and eighty-three. Huh? Really? 2083. 92.4% of spirits entered one some type of award. Did somebody just submit rubbing alcohol as a joke? <laughs> <laughs> they were the one of the only ones that didn't get. I want to know what happens to the losers, though. I mean, are they just like boot off stage and they spank them in the back? Like, what happens? Uh, they they went <laughs> ceremonial <laughs> they went dumping like in the gold. toilet. Right. <laughs> it's single gold or something like that. Well, well, they the, have um, bronze, the way, silver. They have all these different categories. So, and know, from but, what but cons- from what I understand, what Fred said is that to get a bronze, he said in his opinion, that's like rating like a seventy-five on Whiskey Advocate, right? Which is not high, uh, not a really high bar. Which to is set, not right? as what I think of as third place. You know, at the Olympics, the guy trained his whole life to get a bronze. Here, it's like you know, you just <laughs> you show up, you get a bronze. Right, you got to calibrate. Don't know this. Yeah. When the consumers go into the store, they see yeah. these awards. They don't really question what color it is. Matter of fact, most consumers are, I think, are clueless. It's even more than one award show. They think <laughs> there's probably one show, and that's the only one. And the reality is there's hundreds and hundreds of these shows. I I pointed out on my blog site, there's a local distiller uh, here in Houston, and he tells me he gets 
a call or an email a week to enter one of these shows. And they're all about the same $500 submit two bottles. Um, so they're just all over the place. And the one I posted on my blog was, I think was really funny. It was the Beverly Hills spirits award yeah. show win a win an award from a prestigious address. But what it turned out to be when I did a little research is that where you send in the package was to a PostNet type box that was rented out in Beverly Hills. And this PostNet facility specifically <laughs> said they would forward your packages any place. So it could be some guy in his underwear in Nebraska running the Beverly Hills. <laughs> <Spirit Competition. laughs> now, now, Wade, you give me an idea here, actually, Wade. I'm going to retract my suggestion that we submit the uh, – Bourbon Community Roundtable whiskey selections to San Francisco. I think we need a Bourbon Community Roundtable awards show. That's what I say. I'm uh, I'm all in on that. Entries are a thousand dollars. Yeah, two bottles. We'll do five hundred an entry. We need four bottles for all of us, (laughs) and we drink it. It's only us that drinks it. It's only we're the judges. (laughs) That's it. Genius. (laughs) <laughs> but if we want to do a fair, though, they pay the 500 and then they pay us for the cost of the bottles and we get to go procure the bottles ourselves. So they're That's not sending them fair. to us. Okay, yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. But yep. no yep. award show does that. They all depend on the producers to send them the bottles. And as long as that's available, you're going to be able to game the system. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, when you want to plan it, we'll come up there. You, were <laughs> right, you guys are right in the middle for Texas and Atlanta. Right. So we got Texas. Oh, Florida. I forgot about Florida. Yeah. I think, I think we have. Sounds like we did the meet Missouri, I guess. Right. Yeah. One rule though nobody's allowed to drink from a glass. It all has to be from the bottle. You have to taste from the bottle. You have to smell from the bottle. (laughs) No, we need the sponsorship from the glass. Oh, that's true. You know, you're you're turning away revenue there, Blake. How, how much? I mean, I've I've got a I've got a good good uh, good glass company now, so I could I could probably make that one happen. There we go. <laughs> how much does Neat pay to be the glass at this competition? I mean, what's the I'm, story with Neat as the glass? Does anyone know that? I haven't seen a copy of the contract, <laughs> but I'm sure it's there. <laughs> I, I talked to him. Um, what's his name? George Manska or something? A couple yeah. years back, whenever he was first getting into it. And he made it sound like he was just providing the glass because that's what they wanted. His glass was, you know, a superior glass for tasting and nosing and everything. And he would just provide the glass and be the sponsor. But, you know, who knows if that's changed in the last few years and who knows if that was the truth. But it's possible. Yeah. But you got to think he's probably shelling out. 10 to 15,000 glasses, maybe? How many judges are in there? Uh, for San Fran, um, I think there were, I think, I, I can't, I actually, I don't remember. I think there was a, at least 50, something like that, oh. maybe. Um, because there was a, there was a lot of different 50 categories. 2,500 bottles. That, yeah. It's an insane and, number of tastings. And then you got to, you got to understand like when Fred was there, he, he not only just did bourbon, but he also did tequila. He did vodka and he did another one. Right. So like yeah. there's, it's, there's over, a, it's over a few days. So they are washing those glasses. So it's, you don't yeah. need a glass for everything. Still, that's, 
toss it in the trash. We don't need this. Yeah, you would think they could use <laughs> like a solo cup, <laughs> right? Yeah. See, if we ran a competition, that's that's who ends up sponsoring. That's all we're gonna be able to get is solo cups, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, Blake, I also wanted to take your opinion on this, too, because when we put out this podcast um, in your newsletter that you put out, you had also uh, kind of highlighted with a link to an article that you had written a few years ago about how you're kind of a little bit on the the anti side as well. So kind of get your your take on it. Yeah. So it's just a lot of the same information that Ray, Wade said, like, you know, all these people are getting uh, getting awards they're getting the bottles are getting sent from the distilleries and the brands. And that's just not a level playing field. And then the day it's, it's confusing the customer because the customer see, comes in and sees, Oh, this one silver, silver metal. That's awesome. But what does that really mean? Um, so I think of these kind of more of like marketing award shows than anything else. There's obviously a lot of good tasters and everything in these things that kind of legitimize some of it, but at the end of the day, there's just a lot of other things as well um, that, um, you know, just make it not not that interesting Good. to people like us. You know, it's well, maybe it is. Maybe they're doing the right thing because we're still talking about it on the bourbon community roundtable and we have, you know, an audience of nerds. And I put two articles about it in my last bourbon roundup. Um but, you know, I just... Well, our audiences, they're cool people. <laughs> no, that's... No, they're on the, the nerdier side and the um, really into this, the enthusiast side. They're not just the guy that's going to be on the shelves and picking out based on these, you know, little stickers that says it won a gold or double gold yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but I don't know. It's just... It seems like it's one of those snowballs that's not going to stop. There's always going to be award shows. Everybody always wants to know what's the best. Um, and somebody's going to capitalize on that. And it sounds like they've done a really good job at it. If it's $500 a bottle and there's $2,500 or 2,500 entries. So, um, you know, for me, it's just kind of like, don't put your, don't spend your money based on these award shows, you know, go read other reviews figure out what you like, taste stuff at a bar. That's how you should be making your decisions, not going to a shelf and standing there and saying, oh, the manager suggested this one and it got double gold. I'll, I'll go ahead and so, grab it. So I, there's a Abraham Bowman single barrel at my local that says, I think it says gold whiskey of the year 2016. No, it, it just says, has it's, it's, it says best bourbon. Um, if you're, if I'm thinking of the same Abraham Bowman, yeah, best bourbon of the year, 2016, yeah. though, right? Yeah, and that sticker is still sitting on that same bottle that's still sitting on the shelf. I don't think, at least in bourbon community, I don't think there's a huge emphasis on that gold sticker that says it won a gold medal. I, I really, well, I mean, I think even recently, uh, Eagle Rare. I was trying to think if I had a bottle sitting around, had like a 2014 silver medal winner of. ISC or something. Which means it's um, awful, right? Yeah. kind of kind of my thinking, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, but Eagle Rare is one I'd put over the majority of the ones that get gold or triple platinum or whatever it is. So um, yeah, it just, it's all kind of a, um, 
I got a name for it, but I won't use it. On, well, <laughs> just it, a, it, sounds, uh, it sounds like you're coming up with a lot of strip club names over here. It's one word. It's marketing. This yeah. is, I mean, bourbon fulfilling is a, nothing else, right? This is a marketing play for companies. If it's $550 or $450 or $750, whatever the, the, that reasonably small number is for a brand, it's the chance, it's the chance that that's going to get out there and then it's going to get in the media and it, that name's going to be said a couple times, 10 times, 20 times, whatever the, the chance that it may be. And it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, even if they're not seeing it on the shelf, but see, people are hearing it, suddenly people are talking about Henry McKenna, right? So now we're hearing that name. You have that innate urge to say, geez, maybe I'll go grab a bottle or two because it might be harder to get in a month or so once people catch on. It's just that idea that it's a reasonably small amount of money for companies to pay to potentially get their name out there and get that repetition, get the marketing, get people to talk about it in the press. Right. And it, I think that's what these boil down to. You know, it's and it's worth the it's worth the risk. I mean, if they don't get a medal, so what? They don't use it in their own marketing, it disappears, right. nobody even knows it was there. And it was the lowest amount of money they've spent all year. Yeah, I mean, they, they run a little local ad. It's going to be fifteen hundred dollars. It's it's a good price. They for could them. do Facebook, and it would be five hundred bucks. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, if they just narrowed the awards down to best in class and some kind of like, I don't know, best in show or you know, tying some horse racing or something, um, in kind of like a second, third place, that would uh, make me appreciate these award shows a lot more because I'll do it, especially with. Like the ADI does theirs. I'll look at the best in craft, best in class for all the craft different spirits, and you know I'll try to grab a couple of them. But you know if you as you start to trickle down, nobody's going to say, "All right, I want to get the top fifty spirits that were released in vodka um, based the in the top US." Two thousand out of two thousand and twenty. <laughs> yeah, just just narrow it down and. Because if you don't narrow it down, you're just making it more of a marketing gimmick for yeah. brands. They can put well, it on. That's what yeah, these shows do. Too. They yeah. they these shows increase the number of categories so they can have more winners. The San Fran show had seven different categories of bourbon that they it, gave awards yeah. in. <laughs> that's what you know. You have five different categories. You know, um, an aged, a finished, uh, barrel proof, um, single barrel. Small batch. Barrel, small, small batch up yeah. to five years, small batch six to 10, small batch over 11. You know, it just goes on. There were seven different types. Too much. <laughs> and each, yeah. each one of those have what? Bronze, silver, gold, double gold winners. Yeah. Marketing, 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 marketing. All right. So game game, right? I just had another idea and Blake kind of gave me this idea. So what instead of doing our own spirits competition, we run because he had the horse analogy. I said we run betting. Like, could you imagine if somebody put an exacto box <laughs> on Henry McKenna and Elijah Craig? Like, what that would pay? Yeah, but they don't tell us who enters, though, right? Well, I'm sure if we get the list could of who enters before yeah. we see, we could probably get that information, and we could just do a whole online betting thing, right? Well, if 95 percent of the bottles um, win, win, we could just pull the the winners list from last year and make that the the list for this year yeah, and, any new, that's right. yeah, and any new spirits just, that may came along. It don't even stop there. Let's just open a casino. And, <laughs> <laughs> be awesome, man. Let's get it on a boat. So it's on water and make yeah. our own casino. Hey, you can come to, you can come to Jacksonville for that. 
all we got to do is three miles offshore. We're good. There we go. I can also go Biloxi. <laughs> We're right. getting way off topic. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But that's that's the whole point of this, right? So, um, you know, before we kind of wrap up this, does anybody have any kind of uh, last comments on, you know, being anti-spirits? You know, I, I kind of still like, uh, I think, uh, Nick, you said a, a really good point that this still has a place in the market because the people at these distilleries still want that opportunity to be able to have some sort of marketing angle when they go and they put their bottles on the shelves. They want to have a new neck tag. They want to have something. Um, but then you've got, you know, you know, Wade and Blake make great arguments as well, saying that this doesn't really mean anything, especially to the, um, you know, the, the, the high end consumer, right. Um, or should I say the, the well-educated consumer, right. I think it, it maybe it just is something where you have to be able to read between the lines and not get caught up in the hype. And hopefully that we don't see, um, you know, Henry McKenna go the way of Weller 12 all of a sudden and people are just pouring up bottles everywhere. I'd like to add one more thing. Um, I'd really love to come to a different location like San Francisco and drink spirits for three to four days. So if anybody wants to hire me to be a judge on one of these things, um, just comment below, please. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I'll jump in on that too. I need to travel with him as part of Bourbon Arbia. I need to make sure that I'm there. Yeah. It's it's a team effort at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, pay for all of us to be there, man. Come on. That's what they should do. Yeah. BCR, yeah. But only somewhere cool, like not Omaha or, or like. <laughs> well, I, I asked that question. I said, "So how can we get a part of this?" And he says, "Well, start judging some smaller competitions first, and then we'll like our own." Yeah, see, yeah, well, I, I'm beginning to think this is like the Bourbon Horror Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we just come on here and try to see what we can get out of it. <laughs> we market ourselves while making fun of marketing brothers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, actually, Catch-22 just said one last question uh, before we kind of close this topic. He says, do you trust Whiskey Advocate ratings or San Francisco Spirits Awards more? Ooh. I Ooh. noticed the last Whiskey Advocate ratings I saw were all Fred Minnick for bourbons. So Which? they were all they were all Fred. So so I will say that, that uh, going to where I kind of feel like I know more about what Fred may like or dislike is helpful as opposed to kind of randomly who might be the person drinking it. Yeah. I'll trust, I'll trust Fred's uh, mm-hmm. reviews, but he's on, he's, he's on both, right? Like it's right. So, it doesn't really matter at this yeah, point. Really I, would say, I would say whiskey advocate just because they're more whiskey focused. You yeah. know, I assume if Fred's tasting vodka and tequila at the San Francisco uh, competition, you're going to have other people in the bourbon and whiskey that may be, tequila or cocktail or vodka, whatever it is based. And, you know, not that I don't trust them. I just think I'd have a different palate than that person would. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go whiskey advocate. I will say Spears competition that I honestly, I don't give that any weight at all. I mean, I, I, I look at, I, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I don't look at it as any weight at all. I just, you know, it's it's a marketing thing. I see it as a, suddenly I see it on a label. I see a neck tag with it, but I don't look at that as Spirits competition winner. That's going to be a good thing. I just look at it as that's something that people got behind. They just happened to get there. They just happened to be the winner, whatever. Well, you, you nailed know. it right there with that take. What are you doing, man? What kind of box you got there, Blake? Blake's, Blake's unboxing something over there. So. <laughs> I'm trying to put this in. It was bothering me that it was out of the box. <laughs> he's, <It's> rum. <laughs> he's, he's, he's cleaning his closets over there. 
tidying up. Y'all keep well, going. We've lost Blake's attention. So. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, let's let's move it to uh, to the last topic. Um, I had some other ones, you know, talking about uh, Buffalo Trace is their seventh million barrel, Heaven Hill to their eighth million barrel. So congratulations to them on the expansion. Um, there was uh, something else that Fred kind of blew up the internet a little bit with, where he kind of had cases upon cases of uh, GTS that were still sitting around during the seventh millionth barrel. Um, those Fred, uh, yeah. Um, I've also heard rumors that he said that those were all empty, but I don't know because everybody's like, "What happened to the forty thousand bottles of GTS that Breaking Bourbon said were going to be out there that weren't out there?" Um, so. <laughs> People are saying that we could see a second release. Hey, we're, we're, we're independent contractors. We don't <laughs> directly from, from them that most of those boxes were empty. Yeah. So anyway, hearsay, rumor, whatever it is. Well, who knows? But, um, you know, there was something that, that one of the people on the roundtable here kind of wanted to talk about that they heard somebody from Buffalo Trace said that nobody's talking about two of the press releases that had – came out recently, which was their four grain release as well as their OFC release. Um, I really don't want to talk about the whiskey. Um, I want to kind of talk about this, this subject in itself. Um, why do you think nobody's talking about these? Do you think nobody cares? Is it, well, point? Be, Is it just not exciting or do they let's not talk about the OFC for a second? Um, the OFC was something in the realm of what, 250 bottles that they released this time around. And well, let's let's rewind it one more time in the fact that remember when this uh, we had we had talked about it before, and I think Blake is the one that called it, or you called it. I know there was a, some arguments there, but I don't know saying, what it was. It was probably me. Yeah, say whatever <laughs> it is. You take the win. But saying I, that OFC or Buffalo Trace was giving away these OFCs for charity, and then it was almost like a Trojan horse where you could see it coming down the line to figure out like what's the market going to bear. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to come out with these and we're going to charge some ridiculous price on it. Yeah, like 2000 bucks or something. And it's it's like the Pappy 25. Like, how am I going to get excited about, uh, you know, three bottles that come to my state that are going to, you know, people that are, you know, probably never going to open them. Uh, you know, maybe one or two bars are going to get it and charge 250 300 bucks a pour. I started to get excited about that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, it, you know, it. At least with the four grain, you know, I'll probably get one or two of those. But it's just, you know, it started with the four years ago when we had the Cured Oak. That was like a really, really awesome release. And it was one that I think, you know, they had started that whole April release of the E.H. Taylor. And there was a lot of buzz about it. And I remember people going crazy for that. And then came the, um, what was the second one? Seasoned Wood that came out, which was good not great it was decent same kind of thing and then the four grain last year i just thought it was just okay like it you know i i think it speaks to not just the whiskey but also like a lot of their stuff lately has been so limited that you can't even find it so what you know why bother getting excited about it sure what's the point yep i'm i'm i'll be honest i'm getting sick of stuff that is so limited i know i'm not going to get it at the onset or it's too expensive. Even if a store called me and said, I have this, it's $3,000. Do you want a bottle? I would no. say, no, I'm not going to buy a bottle for $3,000. It's just, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. You know, I think I'm not excited about that anymore. I'm excited about the Old Forester 1920s, the Rebel Yell single barrels, the things that I know I might be able to get that are going to be reasonable priced that are really good, that are new. Somehow they're doing something different with the barrels they're pulling. 
the batches they're putting together, whatever. That's the stuff that I'm getting more excited about now. You better go stuff. buy a case of Long, long Branch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you think about how they marketed the um, the four grain. You know, it's like we are re-releasing the what's Jim Murray Whiskey of the Year. It kind of goes back to the same thing that we were talking about with the we uh, knew competitions. We knew, like, do they were doing this that they're going to do two releases of it? Yeah, yep. like, and do we do the you know enthusiast care all that much that Jim Murray named it the Whiskey of the Year? I think a lot of people stopped caring about that when he named the uh, Crown Royal Whiskey of the Year. Um, I could be wrong, but he you know, solidified his credibility when he did that for me. Yeah, it I'll it, say. <laughs> it still gets talked about every year. It gets thrown out, thrown out, but um, that hey, you know this Whiskey of the Year, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I'm not basing what I buy. So it's, it's basically just a re-release. It is a year older, so it's interesting, but, um, no, I just don't think they were all that interesting or releases when something is so limited as those new OFC bottles. I think it was even more limited than the Van Winkle 25 year, but that had the, the Van Winkle name to back it up and create more buzz around it. So, um, I don't know, but. I didn't write about it, but I mean, it, it, for me, it kind of goes back to, I've been saying this for at least since four grain even was announced. And I said, you know, for how long Buffalo Trace has been experimenting with bourbon, if they realized long ago that making bourbon with four grains was better than three, they would have been doing four <laughs> grains the entire time. Right. So <laughs> don't get caught up on this and thinking that this bourbon's off the wall. It's awesome. It's crazy. It's different. Like you've got to have like, if they knew it was better, they would have been doing that so much longer ago, right? This like the experiment. Uh, I would say yes and no because you think once you're kind of on that track, it's kind of like saying why isn't everybody using wheat? Because obviously, a lot of people like wheat in their bourbon. Um, you know, once a distillery's on something, they they kind of stick with it, you know. And then you're aging this stuff ten years. Well, if you find out 10 years later, eh, I kind of like this a little bit better, you convince yourself, no, I'm still doing it the right way. Um, they did all this because they were bored. They went through the phase where nobody was drinking bourbon and they were bored. So they're sitting around <laughs> yeah. all day. And, I, and and like, you know what? Let's throw four ingredients into this batch today. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make a whole batch of four grain. You know, yeah. I mean, all this stuff was the seasoned wood, all this kind of stuff. They were bored. And to Kenny's point, sure though, I mean, type of forklift accident that happened and they got absolutely dumped <laughs> yeah. into the fermentation tank and- you know what we've really been missing is an accident bourbon we haven't had a good accident bourbon in a long time like the wild turkey forgiven or uh what were the other ones that came tornado. Out? And i was talking to tornado. a guy wild turkey who swore that's the truth i i swore it he swore it, he swore it and i can't believe it i still can't believe it i've heard like at least the first batch was kind of the truth. And then the marketing got a hold of it. Is right. it still getting released? Is no, they stopped it. Released? They is stopped. It? Okay. Yeah, Which bourbon? Which one? Forgive, forgive, forgive it. We've talked about it for a while, but you can still see it on the shelves. Like it's amazing that people were rushing out and buying the rest of old granddad 114 thinking that was being discontinued. But we've done about wild turkey forgiven for at least a year. And that's still <laughs> sitting around on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, old granddad yeah, one fourteen. Old granddad one fourteen was was is good, right? I mean, you're, 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 you're cheap. It's good. 
like, it's, like I had a, it's like I gave a personal if, insult yeah. to Nick there or something. If Matthew McConaughey ends up in one of the bourbon aging tanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Matthew. It's not Matthew McConaughey. It's just Matthew. It's just Matthew Manny. Right? No, but to Kenny's point, though, you know, I, I think it's possible that some of these bourbons um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think talking it's about Kenny's point. So yeah. too many, too many of these. Yeah, should be drinking an eighty proof bourbon. Yeah, that's my problem. No, but uh, Wade, did you have anything else to add? Uh, you know, before we close this out, talking about like why nobody cares to talk about Four Green or OFC, or is it because of maybe maybe some tactics lately by by Buffalo Trace? I know that um, at least within the releases, we were talking in our own private messaging group right here. Or should I say releases and the seventh million barrel? Um, none of us were invited to the seventh million barrel rollout, uh, from what I understand. I wasn't that thrilled with the four grain when I tasted it. So, I mean, that's not on my radar because I really don't care about it. I, I don't go hunt whiskey I don't like. I really don't stand in line for whiskey at all anymore. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, and OFC is going to be so limited and so crazy price. I never tried the first one, so I don't know if it was good whiskey or not. And it doesn't really matter to me. I had one in my hands. I had a 1980 that I sold for our school that – I should have been like, man, I got 500 bucks for this whiskey. It was amazing. Great. Thank you, Buffalo Trace. But no, I had to sell it <laughs> by brand. Never saw it again. So we'll, uh, we'll get kind of- it. Sorry, I, I remember what I was going to say. So, Kenny, you were talking about the four grains. <laughs> <laughs> Why they didn't restart that, right? So, I mean, you think about it, they, it's something different. Four grains, it's different. They want to release something different, right? So you got a limited release. You got this this E.H. Taylor kind of brand that's about experimentation, doing something different. You want to play that out, right? In everyday bourbons, are people going to the shelves and thinking, "Oh, this is it. This one's made out of four grains." I would I would bet you that most people going to the shelves for bourbon are not thinking about what this is made of. They're just saying, "What's the price? What's the marketing? What does it maybe taste like?" Right? They're not thinking about how much corn is in this. How much wheat is in this? How much rye might be in this? Right. So, I mean, it's just not a play for them. I don't think there's a long term play. I think it's a limited thing. It kind of, you know, it played itself out. Now it's come out again. And I think people are looking at it saying, okay, it's out again. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. There's not much to talk about. Right. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like we, we kind of just go in cycles, right? We'll go back, we'll go forward, you know, it's whatever it is. But, um, you know, I kind of want to close this out because, you know, we talked that. Wait, I, I got to announce that the newest four grain product first. Okay. Blood O5 coming soon. <laughs> it's going to be a mix of Rebel Yell and Urza Brooks. They're combining them together to get the four grains. So, so good. <laughs> the thing is, what do you call it whenever you can't tell if it's even sarcasm anymore? Like, there's just so much craziness on the market. I honestly don't know if he's being serious or not. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if that shows up. It could happen. But, you know, we, we, weren't, we weren't really excited for this. However, there is a new TTB release that everybody was really excited for, which is the announcement of Booker's 30th. 
So I know that we had talked about that on Twitter a little bit saying like, we've, we've got to get our hands on this. If Booker's 25th was this good, and this is supposed to be a 16 year barrel proof release. Um, any comments about that before we close it out? Any idea uh, release numbers? Cause once again, I'm not going to get excited about 500. They, I'm, they haven't released, uh, but my guess is in the 10 to 15,000 range. Um, I think so because you think about yeah, it, it's just, so 16, much. it's just a 16 year old bourbon. Like they had a ton yeah. of the Knob Creek. Yeah, I think of the Knob Creeks um, that have been 14 and 15 yeah. year olds. They've, geez, got they've probably at least 200,000 bottles between Knob Creek 25th and all the 2001 releases. Um, but that's one. I, I, I mean, I said it. I'm really excited about that one uh, just because I love Booker's. Uh, I love the 25th. I love the Booker's Rye. Um, and that's just one of those bottles that, you know, Booker's will always be special to me because I feel like it's one I really got started on. So, um, no, I'm excited to see that. What do we think? 300 bucks for that? Probably at least. I think it was, who was it? It may have been Brett Atlas said, I think they're going to surprise people and come out with like a 199. Oh, he's um, shit. I don't know. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be 350. It'll be 350. It'll be 349.99. Exactly. Yeah. 350. That's right. I would believe 199. All right. Is our casino open yet? Because I'll put an over under. <laughs> over under on $300. Who wants I'm going to leave. I'm going 249.99. No, actually, no. I'm you, you were just at 349. Yeah, but I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to go 299. Is going to be the price. What is secondary market open at? Yeah. 600. 800. 600. <laughs> I think it, I think it depends how many there are. Yeah. Well, why why is Booker's twenty five as low as it is on the secondary? I mean, that's one of the top three bourbons in the last ten years. That's because a good that's, question. That's a good question, Brian. Because everything has hit a plateau, which is a sign that the market is stale. Like everything that you look at has plateaued. It's just yeah, the same why is Booker's twenty fifth on the lower side of that though? It just and, and, and there's certain stuff that doesn't make sense. It's just the way the secondary works out. I mean, why is I don't know why so much stuff about it that like if you, if you looked at the numbers on it, you're like, why is this one still so cheap compared to other ones? Like look at the old stuff that this Eagle rare 1979 one liter bottle that I got for basically under a thousand, you know, compared to people paying 1600 for a Pappy 23. It's like what people just, well, I think, I think uh, Booker's 25th is almost in comparison to Black Maple Hill, the NAS bottle right now. I think I saw one go for like 500 bucks or something the wow. other day, which is pains. Well, that's, pains that's a little bit different. I mean, that one's out of circulation, but that's also been creeping up over at least the past three years, um, which I had actually shared on. So the last podcast we had with the economic professors, uh, he actually had a paper that looked and studied uh, all the data that came from a defunct Facebook group. Somebody on here actually used to run and uh, looked at all the data for the past like two <laughs> two years of sales and noticed the trend of actually, a, a I think it was like a 32.1% growth in the value of your bourbon from when you bought it to what you could sell it for. Mm. I mean, it's a, it was a great investment. I don't know that it is now, but bourbon, if you started in 2012, God, bourbon was a fantastic investment. Mm-hmm. I know someone who spent all of his savings on bourbon. He's, his name is known on the secondary sites and 
hell, he's still buying bourbon as a secondary, you know, as an investment. I don't think it's it's as good of an investment nowadays because I'm all about the crypto train. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say that thing took a hard nosedive too. So uh, it's back, baby. We're back. Crypto is back. Coming back up, we're almost back at 10k. Ethereum's recovering, so we're we're feeling good. But pan to those computers, pan to them, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's mining over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually using all of your computers to mine. You just don't know it. <laughs> I wonder why mine was running slow. <laughs> it's mining right now. All right, so let's go ahead. I think that's uh, that'll be that'll be good enough to to wrap up this week's episode. So I want to say thank you for everybody that has joined us on the chat, uh, you fellows as well. I, before I kind of close it out, I want to and what the fuck? Carrie just drops all the time. I don't know. Like I, and we did this last time, but maybe that was uh, <laughs> internet problems. But anyway, I want to uh, let you all kind of go around the horn one more time. Talk about who you are, where people can find your blogs, where people can learn more about you and um, all that good stuff. So, Brian, I'll let you go first. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, this is Brian with Sip and Corn. Uh, finally, most uh, find me mostly on Twitter at Sip and Corn. Uh, also, the blog Sip and Corn, uh, where I've got reviews and a legal slant on all things bourbon. And November 2018, be looking out for, uh, for Bourbon Justice, my first book. Uh, already thinking about the second book, but uh, but first things first, look out November 2018 for that book. And then in September, go to Bourbon and Beyond, and where you'll be able to see a lot of us uh, running some uh, some sessions there and hearing some great artists. Appreciate being on the show again, guys. Brian, I don't want to give anything away, but did you say at one point there was a chapter about shipping bourbon? I, I get into that a little bit, um, but mostly because of Kentucky's new law that they passed uh, last year about the, the vintage spirits. Um, we're looking at shipping laws now, but it's going to be ever changing. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, Nick, you go next. I am Nick from uh, Breaking Bourbon. Check us out at BreakingBourbon.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Breaking Bourbon. Support us on Patreon, uh, Patreon uh, Breaking Bourbon. And uh, yeah, we appreciate being on this uh, show. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And don't knock old granddad 114. Do not. <laughs> don't knock it. He'll, he'll come not. after you. Yeah, he'll clear the shelves for you instead. So, Gary, <laughs> you go ahead, buddy. Carrie from suburbia.com, S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A.com. Blake and I are actually working on a story together that I think is going to um, it's going to make waves in the bourbon world. Can I, can I just give him a small hint of what you, we might be You know talking? what? Give it to him, Carrie. Give it to him. Distributors have ruined bourbon. There it is. There it is. There it is. Um, it's going to be a big article. Uh, I'm going to write it at some point. <laughs> we, have, we have a strict deadline at a uh, bourboner no this is actually going to be a combined effort uh it's going to be sipping suburbia suburbaner and um let's <laughs> <laughs> see how many people we can get in it'll be fun but uh always look forward to hanging with you guys i do look forward to the day that i actually do meet up with y'all and hang out with y'all which will be definitely very soon so uh thanks again for having me aboard make it a bourbon and beyond but it, it sounds like carrie's like that guy that you always have in a class project it sounds like blake's me doing all his work and carrie's like yeah it looks great man I'm gonna gather <laughs> all of a sudden he's bashing it in on twitter i'm like hold it you wrote half of this article 
conservator sucks. This article is trash. <laughs> Blake, go ahead. All right. I'm Blake from bourboner.com. Um, you can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Um, coming back in May with the Bourboner Blind Tasting. As mentioned earlier, had two new additions to the family and things got a little busy the past couple months. But um, coming back strong with the Bourboner Blind Tastings. And then if you can come out to Bourbon and Beyond, I know that got plugged as well earlier, but definitely do it. Should be a good time. And and you didn't name them Booker and Baker? Booker and Baker was really, really – I was pushing hard for that one. Then I went with Elmer. I'm like, what about Elmer? <laughs> <laughs> Elmer. <laughs> it was actually my granddad's name, too. So I'm like, it's a perfect tie-in. No, she didn't go with that either. So That's going to be added to the tater list. Naming yeah, 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 your kids after bottles after of bourbon. bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> your dog, <laughs> okay. Your kid, Elijah no. Craig. <laughs> if it wasn't for stinking Baker Mayfield, I may have been able to slide Baker in there because she didn't really know about it all that much. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my son, Whistlepig. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to get paid for that, Carrie. <laughs> There's a royalty every time somebody says it. Yeah. yeah. Whistlepig. Whistlepig. That's hilarious. Uh, so, Wade, go ahead and close us out there. Okay, I'm Wade Woodard. Uh, my blog is tater-talk.com. Um, and my next topic, hopefully coming shortly, will be due to a recent interpretation by the TP- TTB, age statements are now completely meaningless on bourbon. Really? Nice. So stay tuned. Yes. Good. Uh-oh. Can't wait to hear that Thanks. one. <laughs> but uh, per usual, fellas, I want to say thank you again for joining tonight. Make sure you are following all these guys on social media. Make sure you're reading their blogs. Everybody's got a lot of great information out. I know we've plugged it, Bourbon and Beyond. Half the people that you're seeing right here uh, are going to be there running sessions. Uh, maybe another reason for just people just to come and kind of hang out. Uh, who knows? Well, maybe we'll have, we'll throw a, a pre-party on Friday. Who knows what happens, right? We'll, we'll figure that out. Kenny's bar. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> 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 but but you know guys i want to say thank you again make sure you follow everything with bourbon pursuit on instagram facebook and twitter if you like the show make sure to support us on patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bourbon pursuit and if you have any show suggestions feel free to send us an email um we've got the duo at bourbonpursuit.com and uh yeah i think with that that'll wrap it up thank you again everyone and we'll see you all next week mm-hmm.